This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I am here with Diego Pacheco, the Chief Growth Officer at Ace Pickleball. Everyone uh, has been seeing the boom in pickleball. Uh, I'm excited to have him here. It's going to be an interesting episode. Welcome to the show, Diego. Thanks for having me, Chris. So, Diego, tell us a little bit more about you and who you are. Yeah. So, you know, I, right out of undergrad, joined CBRE's recent graduate rotational program that was known in the industry as the Will Program. First time they had brought it back since 2008. And I fell in love with retail real estate as soon as I got there. You know, I actually was kind of forced into the job by my dad when I had other options in front of me. And I was like, I don't want to do office. That's boring. Industrial, nah. But, you know, there was somebody really well known in the industry, uh, Todd Caruso at CBRE, who was talking about it. And I go, you know what? I like shopping. I like real estate. This seems the art and science is really there. So I went into retail real estate, spent about five years at CBRE doing everything from retail investment sales all the way to my ultimate final stop doing big box leasing for new stores and dispositions for Kroger, Rite Aid, PetSmart, and my biggest client, Skyzone Trampoline Parks, which is how I met the team that is now working on ACE. And, you know, during that time with Skyzone, I got really good at convincing landlords uh, how to think about a crazy concept such as trampoline parks in retail spaces. I did over 120 deals in the course of four years. So, you know, right back at it with Ace, just different narrative on pickleball. Wow. And you just moved from San Francisco to New York? I did. What, what brought you to New York? You know, the ACE teams on the East Coast, one of ACE's co-founders, Joe Sexton, is based in New York City. And, you know, New York's always had a special place in my heart. So, you know, why not now? I love it. And how are you liking the city? It's great. You know, you're never bored. In fact, you know, there's just too much socialization and too many options. You can't go outside, though, without breathing and spending $100. Uh, That is true. That is true. So... Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Ace Pickleball? Yeah. So, you know, Ace Pickleball Club was the brainchild of our co-founders, Jay Dietrich and Joe Sexton. Both Jay and Joe had met when they were working at Sky Zone Trampoline Parks. And, you know, during 2020, Jay had moved to Florida and was playing pickleball outside. And, you know, pickleball in Florida, you know, the two are very synonymous. It's one of the largest regions for the sport. But Jay's wife said, hey, playing outdoors, we can barely get on a court because supply and demand is an issue. And the weather in Florida sucks. It's too hot. It's too windy. It's always raining. You should take the sport indoors. And that's when the thesis was born was, hey, Ace Pickleball Club is really a real estate play. And it aligned with Jay's professional background. He mixed that with calling Joe Sexton, who has a really strong background in franchise sales. And they said, hey, if we ever had a vision of building an indoor pickleball club brand, is it best to go out and fundraise one pot 
of corporate capital or go the franchise route. And we all realized that our network is firmly franchising. We know all the largest franchisees in the recreational space, um, fitness space, you name it. And that was the quickest way to get, you know, 200 plus locations open and operating without all the capital risk that comes with the capital balance, corporate capital balance sheet within a five-year period. So the vision was born. Ace has really been in stealth mode for a couple of years now working on the concept. And, you know, a lot of people keep asking, where did you all come from? Because we didn't really go public until March of 2023 when our franchise agreement went public. And since that time, you know, we've sold now 38 franchise units since March. Oh boy. So that's, that's phenomenal. How big is Nate's Pickleball? You know, uh, our one in Roswell, Georgia, our corporate location, that's about 36,000 square feet. And we're getting in 14 indoor courts there. Our standards typically range from 25,000 all the way up to 50. Got it. And, and. Open today is just the Roswell location, correct? Correct. But you've sold, you got a lot of deals working. Pickleball's high. You got a lot of deals working. I have no time for sleep, Chris. You know, we've both uh, been in the industry forever. It's all about knowing the retail landlords, getting those off-market deals. And my cell phone has no shortage of text messages from all the guys in our industry. We've known for over for decades now saying, hey, I have this box coming back. Let's do it. So we're working on a lot of off-market stuff that you can go on our LinkedIn. You can see the markets we've announced, but there's going to be some really exciting things coming to fruition in the next two to three months that are just coming from all of our backgrounds in retail real estate. So before I get into, and we talk about like just an overview of pickleball, I, I do think it's interesting because Landlords are super excited about this concept. Uh, and I think the consumer is craving pickleball. <laughs> but as far, it seems like there's an arms race. There's all these pickleball concepts. Most of them don't have significant locations open to date, right? Like, I don't, is there a pickleball concept that has 20 locations open yet? No. And Ace will be the first. Okay. It's just, you know, give us eight months from now and you'll start seeing that scale. And you're absolutely hit the nail on the head. This is the biggest space right now where you see a lot of one-offs happening. And the biggest question we're getting from landlords are, is there any brand that has experience in the space and that's scaling with one brand? You know, the way I answer that is, A, there's nobody that has experience in the pickleball space because pickleball just emerged in the last three to four years. So we're all figuring it out together. But as far as teams that have operational experience scaling similar concepts in one brand, that looks like Ace for the time being. You know, We don't see another group that has emerged to give us competition in that space yet, but we absolutely know, know it's coming in the next six to 12 months because it's a large arms race, as you said. We've never seen anything move as quickly. Arms race. Everyone's like, oh my, when everyone sees like, the consumer behavior moving to this. Everyone's like, how do I capitalize on this? Uh, and so there's an arms race here. I think the franchise way is an interesting way to scale quickly, especially if you have franchise roots. So that, that is super interesting to me. When, when people are thinking about pickleball concepts, you mentioned 14 courts, 25 to 50,000 feet. 
Is there a large food and beverage component? The way we look at pickleball and ACE is we see the industry in two verticals. The first is entertainment, which has that food and beverage component. You know, a lot of the entertainment concepts, you see the chicken and the pickles, camp pickle, all of those groups popping up and they have significant experience in the space. However, you know, there, we see some meaningful differences there. The first being from a real estate perspective, cost of build out for that entertainment can be anywhere from 10 to 25 million, depending if you're going ground up or retrofitting. And then you get into the true business model. It's a restaurant with restaurant margins, different operating staff requirements, all of those pieces. And the consumer that's going to those is looking to go and have drinks, watch the game. They're not there to come multiple times a week. Now, the space we sit in is what we call indoor recreational and tournament play. That's for that consumer that wants to play pickleball two to three times a week, wants to be part of a tournament, meet a social group, no matter if they're at a beginner stage or advanced stage. And, you know, these are where you see those groups emerging. We're a very different operational model. Our build outs are very different costs. You know, they can go anywhere, depending if we're getting a beautiful bed, bath and beyond from 600,000 up to 1.5 million, just depending on the landlord work. But, you know, they're two different areas. So, you know, specifically for indoor recreational tournament play, food and beverage is not part of our thesis because it just takes a different turn on the business model. So we prefer to go with prepackaged snacks and over the counter drinks. Super interesting. And um, you mentioned, depending on the landlord, the landlord on the other line of this call for you, which is me, will be sending you some sites after this call, no doubt. Um, but the, so that, that was a really good explanation. Um, and do you see from a real estate, you mentioned Bed Bath & Beyond, do you see this working in the types of real estate that fitness users and trampoline parks took in traditional shopping centers? If there's a trampoline park closing down in a market, I know about it because <laughs> I tell our brokers, those are the best specs because column spacing is almost identical. Clear heights, we know we have the same wheelhouse. It's perfect. So yes, think about what you see for fitness users, trampoline parks. Those are the types of space we're targeting. And from a revenue perspective and a traffic perspective, you know, what, what can, what, what are people expecting from the pickleball space on like a, a, a at different units? And obviously it's different if you're in the entertainment world versus the recreation and tournament play. Yeah. You know, we're very clear on that. We pay rent. However, you know, you think about in the recreational space, those users can pay a very different rent because it's a different revenue model, whether it's membership based, specifically for pickleball, you see a few different ways people are slicing and dicing the pricing model for this indoor recreational and tournament play model. And, you know, for the average consumer, it's going to be a membership, a one-time initiation fee or a drop-in fee or some kind of mix of all of those. Pricing is still not gravitated to one center of being. It really depends on what market you're in, what kind of product you're offering. You know, for us at our location in Roswell, Georgia, which is Northern Atlanta, we are charging $129 a month for unlimited play or $20 a day for unlimited play during our drop-in hours. Now, if you're coming into play three to four times a week, which a lot of our drop-in people have, it becomes a pretty simple math equation saying, oh, I'm paying $80 to play four times in a week. Why wouldn't I just do the $129 a month unlimited membership model? 
And beyond that, you have a few different pieces where special events, you know, we have a lot of corporate users that want to reserve out sure. facility because they love getting people on their employees on the court, having a good time. But, you know, the real upside for this is tournament play, whether it's professional organizations or a local league that wants to put on a tournament and they don't want to deal with predicting what the weather is going to be three weeks out. They want to come book out the facility to know they're going to be able to run the best tournament with technology on the courts and professional regulation size courts. So, you know, that's the area we've seen grow. You know, tournament play has been up 300% year over year in just the last few years. I see that as the biggest upside for the model. Interesting. And do you have locker rooms in your facility? We do not as of yet. You know, we work with, we build out our bathrooms to full occupancy code to make sure we can get as many people in there. However, you know, if we do start seeing a need to have those locker rooms, we will start probably moving to a model where that's part of it. Got it. Um, This is super fascinating. I think the question that the skeptics out there, let's talk to the skeptics for a second. It's all I do. All right. So I wanted to, and, and, and you're going to be the ambassador for pickleball, not just ace. I'm going to ask a tough question. You ready? Shoot. To the skeptics out there. Why is pickleball not a fad? You know, pickleball is not a fad because you've seen billions and billions of dollars get thrown into this industry in just the last three years. You have a large institutionalization of the sport when the Olympics start saying they're considering making it an Olympic sport. When you have two large professional organizations that are born over a short period of time, in our case, that's the PPA and the MLP are the two professional organizations. And, you know, the joke on the street, that's not really a joke, is that it's harder to buy a major league pickleball team than it is to buy an NBA team. (laughs) And, and, you know, and there actually was an article, I think I want to say it was the New York Times or Business Week, but they did the math and they said the ROI to own a major league pickleball team and all of the branding dollars associated with that was higher given the audience growth and the engagement in the sport than it was for the NBA. Now, you take all those pieces away from Wall Street to the professional teams. And you look at it from a perspective of how big is the pie for the demographic for the sport. After COVID, people were wanting socialization, but they weren't necessarily wanting to go to the bar and resume that kind of active social life where they're just drinking and eating and talking. They wanted to get on the courts and get their blood flowing because they've been locked in a house for a while. And how could they do that? Pickleball is a sport where the court is a fraction of the size of a tennis court. People don't have to necessarily be super physically active or in shape to get on the court. It allows you to socialize while you volley the ball back and forth. You can pick up a pickleball racket for the first time and learn the sport within five minutes. Now, when you look at the 160% growth year over year since 2019 in the sport's interest, it all speaks to those interests. I mean, to those um, themes we're seeing. Now, the last thing I'll say is when we opened up the doors for our grand opening in Roswell in late July, I've never seen a more diverse crowd in my life. Ranging from age ranges, we saw everything from a three-year-old to an 80-year-old on the court to people of all different physical levels of activity from, you know, people who were pro-sponsored. And that consumer pie is huge because after COVID, people are looking for an activity that isn't just going to the bar and drinking or have eating food. They want to become 
more physically active. And pickleball is a sport that was born once in a lifetime. You don't see an emergence of a sport like this. And we've seen the data say pickleball growth has been 160% from players getting the court year over year since 2020. Now, when you think about the factors that get people really interested in pickleball, it's that it's a really easy sport to learn. No matter if you are a professional athlete or you haven't run outside in four years, you're going to be able to get on the court, learn the game, and have a good time. The court is a fraction of the size of a tennis court, so it allows for much easier conversation as you're volleying the ball back and forth, and it's not intimidating. And also, the cost of entry for the sport is very low. You can get a paddle for as low as $10, or you know there are the brands that sell the $350 paddles. Now, when we open the doors at Roswell for our grand opening in late July, I've never seen a more diverse crowd. We had everybody from a three-year-old who had just picked up a paddle to an 80-year-old to professionally sponsored players to people who had never, ever played the sport in their life. And everybody was excited, having a good time. And that narrative has continued to build and show ourselves that it is really cemented now that we're in week three of operating Roswell. I am sold everyone pickleball is not a fad we have institutional money the wall street factor entering the sport we've got professional organization we've got the consumer macro trend of being active this is a sport that anyone can pick up and it caters to every demographic a once in a lifetime opportunity as we don't see sports like this just emerge out of nowhere uh really interesting perspective there, Diego, I really appreciate that, uh, you know, summary of why pickleball is not a fad too. Very cool. Uh, let's, let, let's bring us to Roswell, Georgia. And why don't you tell us how that all happened and how you ended up with a location down in Roswell? So as I mentioned, you know, the team, you know, Jay and Joe specifically have been thinking about what Ace Pickleball Club could be now for some time. And, you know, when it came time and fundraising was closed in 2022, Jay went through a tear of saying, okay, let's find the best real estate deal. And he had his wish list of where he wanted to be demographics wise and what the structural specifications had to look like. And so we were really opportunistic for what location number one could be or where it could be. And, you know, ultimately the best opportunity presented itself in Roswell, Georgia at Bricksmore's King's Market. It was a 36,000 square foot space that had 24 foot clear heights with impeccable column spacing. And that's something important to note about pickleball. Column spacing is everything because you can't have a column in the middle of the court. You need to make sure you have industry regulation courts. That's what's going to make or break you from the very baseline of this. So it all just worked out swimmingly, especially when we're taking a bet on what is a new revenue model that has no food and beverage component. So, you know, for us being new entrants to the space, but also just being in a totally new industry where there's not great, clean historical data on how indoor recreational tournament play facilities are going to perform, this was the best opportunity. And, you know, we also, you know, my background, you know, where I've worked at Heinz and Prudential as well, and we know what it takes to get through an investment committee. The best thing and the bottleneck in this process is getting the landlord buy-in because like, why you? Can you get the doors open? And to align with the likes of a Bricksmore early on and get their thumbs up and stamp of approval, 
that was really key for us to be able to unlock all of the deals with some of the larger landlords that you're going to be seeing become public news in the next few months from us. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be one of those landlords soon. I'm excited because the, <laughs> the, we, so I know the center really well. We're across the street. We own the LA fitness shopping center in Roswell. So, um, super interesting. Um, were when you when this first started to unfold how did they need to get a lot of waivers was there the waiver process i love this question because you know everybody always says well you must have to get a lot of waivers you, you can't do this deal and waivers are my favorite thing to get so specifically for this deal we had to get a waiver from Publix, which as you know is known as one of the most difficult players in the southeast Guess what? We flew through that. They loved the idea that, that we were going to be bringing more consumers, specifically of this demographic that is paying $129 a month to play unlimited pickleball to the center because that had only positive things for their sales numbers. Now, I won't spoil it, but we are currently in the middle of a handful of deals with some very interesting restrictions and you know we, we've all we've cut through it all in our careers in many many ways and i think you know as long as we continue the narrative and the traffic that we're seeing coming to roswell continues to hold in terms of us being able to define what that traffic pattern is what the demographic is it only is good things to these retail co-tenants that have said hey we don't want this kind of fitness recreational use in our center so you know i love a challenge the more restrictions you give me the better <laughs> <laughs> well I, you know, I've like dubbed myself the CWO here at DLC, the chief waiver officer, <laughs> waivers. but, uh, that is a, that is a great line. Uh, at least, you know, what you're in for at a minimum. Uh, and you know, you mentioned Bricksmore, large landlord, good friends over there. Um, I don't know if you dealt with Manny Ryan when you were working on this down there. Um, but the, when, when you were first working on it, were they suspect of the concept? Was it like, were they kind of like, were they concerned? And how much did you have to do to like pat them on the shoulder and be like, guys, this is going to be okay, I promise. You know, you find that theme in the space today is that either landlords, there's really no in between actually, you know, either landlords are super hot on the concept. They're like, we see the future of pickleball or they're not. And they totally want to close their doors. I have my list of who the ones that have closed their doors are. And I tell our franchisees don't even go bother because we only date landlords that want to date us because we want to get open as quickly as possible during this arms race. We want the best deals possible. And why would we spend our time begging with a landlord that just has no interest? We can do much better elsewhere. Now, specifically at Bricksmore, they're one of those groups that saw the vision. They loved that it was near their Southeast regional headquarters. They loved that they could host their corporate events there. That was actually part of the deal was promising they could do their Christmas party. And they've been phenomenal partners in it because they see the vision. And, you know, we're doing a handful more deals with them right now. So, you know, those are the landlords we love, the ones that see the vision, that love pickleball and can understand it. And they were one of the early adopters in the institutional space for sure. Incredible. Uh, okay. Well, what a cool story. How long did it take to go from like when you started to now open for the pickleball, raise pickleball in, uh, in Roswell? Uh, well, you know, we signed the lease in January of 2023 and got our certificate of occupancy at the end of July. 
Now we took it in very, you know, gray shell condition. And, you know, from January to July, that involved getting all of our building permits, our architectural plans set. Once we got the keys, we were able to get the construction timeline down to about 120 days. Look at you. Good work. That's our chief thing. As we tell landlords, you want a tenant that's going to get open and operating within six months from signing that lease. It's us. I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, super interesting story on Pickleball. Thanks for telling the story on Roswell. I want to take us to one of the last parts of the show. I call it retail wisdom. I got three questions for you. Are you ready, Diego? Let's go. All right. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? You know, it's funny. I was When I was moving a couple of weeks ago, I found an old coat in my closet. It's the best quality I've ever had. And it was Jack Spade, which was the brother brand Kate Spade. Okay. And I remember being 25 years old and devastated when the store closed down because it was good quality clothing at not a bad price. And they had some really good looking stuff. So I would have to say Jack Spade. Very, very. No one's ever said that on the show. I love the answer. Question two. What's the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Well, I have a golden doodle that I spoil way too much. So it was definitely these organic, no rawhide bones that he loves. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Final question. Diego, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Definitely the home goods section. All right. Well, I see you're, 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 the apartment's looking awesome where you're at. I could see you spent some time there. So it, it looks good. Thanks. Um, Diego, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Anything we didn't talk about on the pickleball, about pickleball, about ACE that you want to tell everybody? Interesting you say that, ask that question, Chris, because, you know, one question I keep getting from landlords about pickleball is if we sign a lease, can you guys actually get the doors open? And I think that's, you know, a question that's going to keep coming up in the industry is how do you build a pickleball facility? What does it look like? We see a lot of different variations in quality of constructions. A lot of the indoor facilities actually do not have HVAC, which you think about that in the summer, it actually becomes more miserable to play indoors than outdoors. Wow. So, you know, for us, you know, we have an in-house development team that is really focused on this and helping us get a real strong grasp on what those development costs are going to be up front. So we can put it into the model at the end of the day. And our chief development officers opened up over 225 large format facilities across the United States and internationally in his career. So when we go into a market, we have it pretty tapped in to understand what the permitting process in Phoenix, Arizona is going to be, who the best general contractors and architects are, and how to get this down to a process. So, you know, I think it will be interesting to see how this whole space really comes up. Uh, shakes out with all the new entrants in the space, specifically when it comes to construction and getting open. Super interesting. Diego, this has been fascinating. Thanks for joining Retail Retold. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a lot more facilities open and hopefully one in the DLC Center. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.